How many of you can remember a bunch of years ago there was this, uh, this advert, I think it was a wimpy advert, Afrikaans couple sitting at the table looking at each other reading the menu and it was macchiato <laughs> and cappuccino <laughs> and cortado and it's like, oh honey, I love it when you talk foreign. <laughs> remember that one? And uh, today we're talking foreign and the reason we're talking foreign is because of English and the problem with English is I will like English. I mean, there's many limitations to this English language. In fact, in some way, Afrikaans is so much more, I don't know, there's some beautiful words in Afrikaans. Let's, let's just be, I mean, I sat with my family trying to ponder some, I mean, there's an honesty to Afrikaans. Fat cook. I mean, let's be honest, up front, you know, I mean, this is not a diet, not a fat cook. That's just, um, uh, my son's favorite one. I mean, he... He struggled through his matric Afrikaans paper. He said, but dad, I know what to do. I just have to use the word beklemtun. I don't know what it means, dad, but I just put that word in a lot and I get extra marks. So I don't even know what it means, but beklemtun, it works. Kate's favorite word is baramhartig. I don't know what that means either, but she loves that word. I like, I like some of those words that have got like, like phlegm in them, like slaghata. I mean, and, and slaghoffer. These are, pure. my favorite, of course, is the honesty factor in terms of what should we do? Well, yania. What does yania mean? It's just, it's just, it's, it's yania. It's pure. In fact, having said that, I'm noticing not as much Afrikaans as Zulus creeping into our home more. I mean, some words have been there a long time. Aish. Aish. But I'm starting to hear haibo. Haibo. It's like, it's become a parenting term. And it's like, kids, haibo. What is going on here? My favorite word of all, though, has to still be shise and yama. I mean, that's just, it's just, it's just, brai is nice. But shise and yama, it carries more. Anyway, the point is this. English has its restrictions. And probably one of the greatest restrictions with English is with the word love. Because we love God, and I love playing golf, and I love Mondays, and I love my wife, and I love, I mean, hang on, whoa, 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 how can you, same word, love God and your wife, same word for loving the dog, the cat, the, I mean, some of you maybe do love them more than your spouse, but that's a different thing. The, the point is, we've got one word in the English language for love, which we use for a whole variety of relationships, whereas a word... Love in, in Greek, now our New Testament was written in Greek, has about seven different words just speaking about love in relationships. Here are some examples. The word eros, that's not the love, no, no, this is a husband and wife love. It's a physical, romantic type of love. There's ludus, which is a playful, flirtatious kind of love. You know when the crush is beginning, that's that kind of word. Storje, that it doesn't even sound loving, but that's the kind of love you have for your sister. You know, it's like, it's deep, deep. It's deep, it's not obvious, but it's there. There's a philautri kind of whatever that means. It's, it's a sort of a self-love. It, it's positive if it's, if it's a good self-esteem. It's negative if it becomes kind of selfish or narcissistic. There's pragma. Pragma is kind of when you've been married 50 years. And some of maybe the eros love has like waned a little bit. But the pragma, that deep sense of companionship. You've been together many years. You've been through good times and bad times. And there's a deep companionship love inside of you. There's two others which I'm going to be using today because the Bible uses it a lot. One is the word filio, which is a friendship love. That affection you have for friendship. But then the ultimate word used in Greek to describe God's love 
is that word agape. And, and many of you would have heard that word agape or agape. It's, this is the God love. This is the unconditional love of God. This is the love, not when someone's worthy of love or when they love you, but it's a God love poured into our hearts for one another. And today, because of Chaz, I'm speaking about love. Because I preached about hope and he preached about faith. And then he said, now Brent, you've got to preach about love so we can finish all three. And I'm trusting today, as I've pondered this, that God would begin to open up inside of us a revelation of how much we need to understand and receive God's agape love and how critical and important it is we learn to express it to others. So let's... uh, Key verse 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now these three remain faith, hope, and agape. That's that word. And as I read the scripture today, every time the different Greek words for love are used, I'm going to put the Greek word in. So these three remain faith, hope, and agape. But the greatest of these is agape. Interesting when Jesus was reunited with his disciples, he'd gone to the cross. He died, he'd been buried, he'd risen again, and now he was going to meet with his disciples. They were out fishing. He'd made them breakfast, and he pulls Peter aside, and he says in John 21, 15, it says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says, you know that I filio you. Do you notice the difference suddenly? He's speaking agape, and, and Peter's saying, Lord, you know that I've got this brotherly kind of affection for you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you filio me? Notice how Jesus now has gone from agape to filio. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you filio me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I filio you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's amazing because the most frequent argument the disciples had with each other was who was the greatest. It was on the road. It's like, who is the greatest amongst us? And I think probably Peter normally won those arguments. Peter's like, obviously, guys, I'm the greatest. I was chosen first. I was listed first. And Jesus changed my name because he gave me a special nickname. I mean, if that isn't obvious. And Peter was always the front-footed, the arrogant. In fact, when Jesus said to his disciples, all of you are going to abandon me, Jesus looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I fully understand what you're saying. I can understand why you know and believe these 11 are going to desert you, but not me. Jesus, I'm going to be with you. Even if it means dying, Jesus, you and me, I'm, I'm with you. And of course, Jesus was arrested and Peter ran like a baby. And the slave girl said, don't you know this Jesus? And he said, I swear, I've never seen this guy in my life before. And Peter discovered the reality of his own heart. He wasn't the brave hearted lion. He was a coward and he realized it for the first time. And so when Jesus said to him, do you agape, do you love me with this undying, nothing's going to stop me kind of love? And he said, I'd love to say yes, Lord, but I've realized I actually only filio you instead of truly agapeing you. And I think Peter had discovered a deep humility. And then Jesus, in fact, changed it when he said, so do you filio me? 
And he said, yes, Lord, you know. And yet just weeks later, here was Peter. Now people recognize or didn't recognize the boldness, the courage. Something had radically changed in Peter. Now he was living a life of agape love for Jesus, where up to that point he'd realized, all I can do in my own strength is filia. I can have an affection for Jesus. I like this Jesus. I like to go to church. I like to worship this Jesus. And maybe you've got this brotherly affection for Jesus. Or have you got agape? And you see, the reality is, this agape love is not something we can manufacture in our hearts. It's not something we can try and well up. Lord, I want to love you, the Lord your God, with all your heart. We need God to help us agape him and one another. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 5 verse 5, it says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's agape has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The only way we could agape God and agape one another is the realization we can't do it ourselves. And then in humble expectation, we come to God and say, Lord, would you begin to fill and flood my life with your agape so that I can agape those around me. Big idea number one, only when we're born again and filled with the Spirit can we truly begin to agape. This is God's love in us and through us. And I've got good news for you, disciples of Jesus. God is going to show you how powerful His agape is to you and through you, and He's going to do it by sending you someone that you don't actually love. Maybe you know that person. Maybe you're sitting next to that person. Maybe that person is your boss. Maybe that person is that person that somehow you always end up bumping into. They clash with you personality-wise. They irritate the heck out of you. And they are a gift from God to teach you the power of His agape love in us and through us. Kate was very slow to learn this. Kate had this friend at uh, start of high school, and I mean, when Kate was the sports model, she was the nerd, and Kate was out there, and she was the quiet introvert, and she just kind of irritated Kate, but they did the same high school, same courses, same every single class, all the way through high school, and Kate still hadn't learned, so they went to the same university. But not just the same varsity, the same course at varsity, the same every single subject at varsity for another four years. Kate was still struggling. But that's okay because she lived right next door or just down the road. So Kate had to pick her up for varsity every single day until finally breakthrough came. Now she's ready for marriage. Now she's learning. God's going to put people in our lives. We're in our flesh. I can't love this person. I don't have love for this person. But when we discover it, we realize in Christ we can love the unlovely. In fact, it goes even deeper. God's agape love doesn't just empower us to love those we don't naturally love. We can even learn to love our enemies. Matthew 5 verses 43. It says, you've heard that it was said, agape your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, agape your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you agape those who agape you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? 
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Someone has sent me a testimony this week. I was watching this, this little clip. Maybe you've seen it about a, a missionary who'd spent time in Iran. And as he was coming out, he was stopped by the border police who discovered that he was a missionary, thrown into jail and begun to be tortured and interrogated and eventually sentenced to two different life, I mean, not life, death sentences. And in his depression, spending week after week in jail, uncertain of his future, he tried to commit suicide a few times, didn't work. And Jesus appeared to him in a kind of a vision. He had this moment where Jesus says, I'm going to show you what I can do through you. And he says he was being interrogated once again and he'd been beaten. And and then something inside of him rose up. He just felt this agape love of God. And he looks at his interrogator and his hands are in cuffs. and, And he stretches out one of his hands towards his interrogator. And he says, please will you tell me your name? I would like to be your friend. The interrogator was like stood up stunned and didn't know what to do. He says, eventually... The interrogator began to stretch out his hand and he took hold of his hand for about 10 minutes. And for 10 minutes he held his hand and began to weep. And he says, my name is Rasad or whatever the guy's name was. And, and the power of that testimony was so powerful the guards began to speak about it and eventually some of them came to know Christ. You see, the agape love of God is not natural It's not natural you love because someone is lovely or you love because something you'd enjoy it. This is God's agape love. Because when he loved us, we were not lovely. We were not even serving him. We were not even calling on his name. We were sinners who were absolutely blaspheming and walking away from God. But it was his love that pursued us. His love that drew us. And he wants that same love to operate in our lives to others. Agape is the secret That's not just required in any relationship, but let's get specific for a moment. Husbands, God has given us a specific mandate to reflect his agape in marriage. It's the secret that's required in marriage to overcome the selfishness that's exposed in our hearts when we don't get what we want. In Ephesians 5 verse 25, it says, husbands, agape your wives. Just as Christ agaped the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to agape their wives as their own bodies. He who agapes his wife agapes himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. There was a book that uh, has done the rounds for years about the five love languages. Nah, Bible just gives one. Husbands, I'm giving you the cheat code. I made the mistake once of going to my fiance and saying, there's five different love languages. Do you want me to love you with quality time, gifts, words of affection? She lost her temper, told me straight, I want all five of them all of the time. Yikes. The reality is there's actually only one love language the Bible speaks about. It says, husbands, agape your wives. Not a selfless love, 
that when you're getting what you want, you reflect love. If she's lovely, I will love her. No, agape love just loves. Because it's a supernatural love from God. And here's why it's powerful. Some of you have heard me share the story that I've never forgotten about a psychologist who separated all of his past cases into two piles. These are all the people who, who took the advice and changed their lives. And these are all the people who never changed. Even though they agreed with the advice, they just, they never changed. Why didn't they change? Why did they change? And he made a profound discovery that only the people whose lives were surrounded by loving relationships were able to change. You can intellectually read the Bible and agree, yes, but we need the building up of the love of God from God and from others to be able to change. Agape is powerful. Agape is not soft and sentimental, but it's practical and hands-on. Just like the father didn't write love letters in the clouds, but sent his one and only son to die a horrendous death on a cross. Agape is not an emotion, but a way. Now I'm not saying there's not emotions that come with love, but primarily agape is not an emotion, it is a way. God enables you. He doesn't fill you with a fuzzy feeling of love towards someone. He empowers you by your spirit to treat someone. I like what Steve always speaks about, with goodwill. I choose to express goodwill to you, even if you're my enemy. And the agape of God is a heart of goodwill. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And 13 verse 1 says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have agape, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have agape, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have agape, I gain nothing. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape does not envy. Agape does not boast. Agape is not proud. Agape does not dishonor others. Agape is not self-seeking. Agape is not easily angered. Agape keeps no record of wrongs. Agape does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Agape always protects. Agape always trusts. Agape always hopes. Agape always perseveres. Agape never fails. Where their prophecies they will cease. Where their tongues they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge it'll pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish ways behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and agape. But the greatest of these is agape. Agape is essential. Agape is practical. Agape is maturity. And agape is eternal. And friends, I want to finish off today by reminding us that agape is in fact the watermark of authenticity in a genuine born-again believer. Let me say that again. Agape 
is their watermark. It's the sign of authenticity that this is the real thing. That this is someone who's genuinely been born again. When your life begins to reflect a God paid to God and to others, that's the sign that you've truly been born again. If I had a hundred rand note, we've got a great photocopy machine upstairs. I could go and photocopy a couple of them. And from a distance, you could think I'm holding a real hundred rand note, but up close, you'd feel it different and it would have no watermark. In the same way, Christians can appear Christian on a Sunday. They can sing songs and lift their hands. But it's up close that you begin to see the reality. Real Christians reflect the real love of God. And so I want to finish with just reading an amazing passage written by John called the disciple who Jesus really loved. And I want you to notice and catch not just the beauty of this passage, but the sharpness of this passage. It says in 1 John 4 verses 7, it says, Dear friends, let us agape one another, for agape comes from God. Everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not agape does not know God because God is agape. This is how God showed his agape among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is agape. Not that we agape God, but that he agapes us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, Since God so agaped us, we also ought to agape one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we agape one another, God lives in us and his agape is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the agape God has for us. God is agape. Whoever lives in agape lives in God and God in them. This is how agape is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in agape, but perfect agape drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in agape. We agape because he first agaped us. Whoever claims to agape God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not agape their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot agape God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who agapes God must also agape their brother and sister. It's a powerful passage, isn't it? And so let me leave you just with a few points of challenge. Number one, agape comes from God. It is supernatural. You cannot do it on your own. But God gives it to us when we ask. To express agape to others is to express God to them. Number two, agape is the proof that you truly know God. It's the watermark of authenticity. When you see agape coming out of you, you realize, I couldn't have loved that person by myself. This is God. Thirdly, agape is demonstrated through sacrificial giving. 
the giving of yourself, your time, your strength, your resources, your emotions, your attention. Selfishness is the opposite of agape. Fourthly, agape is not a response, but an initiation. Agape is not a response, it's an initiation. The Bible says, the fact that you love God is not really agape, it's that He loved us first. We love God because He loves us, and so we respond in love. True agape is not, I love my wife because she loves me. True agape is, will I love her when I don't feel her love? It's not loving when someone does something kind and so I love them. It's when they're my enemy, can I love them? And that's true agape. Agape number five is a reflection of the revelation of his agape to us. In other words, it's only when we receive his agape that we can reflect it. So if you, this doesn't make sense to me, I could never love my enemy. I can't love my boss at work because he's from Satan. Here's the problem. Not the boss who's come from Satan. It's that you've never truly allowed his agape love to penetrate your heart. Sometimes it's our pride. Sometimes it's our fear. Sometimes it's our doubt or our religiousness that stops us fully surrendering our hearts to receive. Because I don't feel worthy of his love and you're not. I haven't earned his love and you can't. And so eventually you surrender your heart to his love. And as his agape, he just loves me. I don't know why, but he does. And when we surrender to his agape, we begin to reflect it to those who don't deserve it either. Sixthly, agape is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You can pray it anytime and it works. Holy Spirit, I need your agape right now. I'm in a situation at work, in the factory, in my family, wherever it is. Lord, I'm not feeling nothing. I've got, please pour your agape into my heart. Help me to treat this person with your agape. Number seven, God is agape. It doesn't even say God agapes. No, He is. And sometimes things are going to happen in your life and you try and work out Okay, God, you're powerful. This bad thing has happened. You didn't stop it from happening. Actually, God, I don't really know if you love me. Bad argument. The real argument is God is agape. So somehow I need to reinterpret all that's happened to understand it. Because God cannot change. He cannot not agape because that's who he is. Number eight, we are only as full of the Spirit... As we are full of agape. Don't be misled. Super spiritual mature Christians are not the ones who can quote the most scriptures or perform signs and wonders and gifts. It's the ones who genuinely love with agape love. Because to be full of the Spirit means to be full of the Spirit who is agape. So so called Christianese without genuine agape love is just deception. Number nine. Agape is Christ's command to us and our confidence on judgment day. That's weird. Here's the thing. You'll know that you're born again when you're realizing you're starting to love people that you used to not love at all. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus. Before that, Christians irritated me. Bunch of hypocrites. Who do they think they are? I don't even want to spend time with them. And when I gave my life to Christ, suddenly something changed. Now I actually want to love the family of God. 
And suddenly I, I realized these kind of people, I had no time for them. They didn't contribute to my life in any way. I want nothing to do with them. Suddenly I'm starting to love them. And you're realizing, whoa, something has changed. That's what gives us confidence on judgment day. Because we realized this is not me. This must mean I'm born again by the Spirit of God. Number 10, to fear God in a withholding way, like Adam and Eve did when they sinned, they ran away from God. Just to fear God in an unhealthy way is proof that you haven't yet tasted His agape love. As children of God, we've been given the Spirit of God that cries, Abba, Father. When you've tasted His agape love and you mess up and you blow it and you do something stupid, if you've tasted of His agape love, you don't run from God, you run to God because you know of His mercy and kindness. Number 11, a revelation of God's agape drives out fear from our lives. When Jehoshaphat faced two or three armies that were about to destroy them, and he stood at the front of the army with the singers, they began to sing not of their strength or their might. They said, his love endures forever. The revelation of his agape is, gives us the strength to face tomorrow, to face the economy, to face our bad health, to face our problems in the family. We can face it because he agapes me, which means he's with me and he loves me. We're going to make it. And lastly, agape for God is proven through agape for others. I want you to look at people differently. God is going to bless you with people in your life who he's going to use to teach you about his incredible agape love. And when you identify them, don't blow it. Don't muck it up and have to do the test over and over again. Ask God, God, sure, fill my heart with your agape. You loved me. You chose to love me. And now by your spirit, will you empower me to genuinely love with the love of God everyone around me, from those who treat me well to enemies. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and agape. But the greatest of these is agape. May God fill us with his agape love in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have demonstrated your agape love through Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And Jesus said, you said to us, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples. It's not your bumper stickers on the car or your scriptures you post on your office wall. This is how the world will know that you're the real thing by your love for one another, your agape for one another. Holy Spirit, would you come and pour the agape love of God into our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Friends, if you've got faith for it, you'll receive it and walk in it. His grace always follows faith. Do you believe that God wants to pour more and more of his agape into your hearts? And do you believe God wants to use you to share and express his agape to the world? Holy Spirit, if there's anyone in our lives that we are not acting lovingly towards, will you bring their names 
to our mind right now. Friends, maybe you're thinking of some people right now that you have not been treating with agape. I want you to pray in your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to pour out His agape into your heart for that person. And when you do it, and when God does something supernatural in your interaction with that person, then please come and tell me your testimony. God's agape is powerful. Father, we thank you so much for your amazing love. We thank you, Lord God, that we are secure, steadfast, because of your incredible agape for us. May we as your people be known, a church, a body, a family of people who agape one another and who can agape the world. Thank you, Lord God, that your gracious hand is upon us. Friends, just before I close off, maybe you're here this morning and you've never opened your heart to His agape love. You've never received the love of God that forgives and cleanses and changes us. We would so love to pray with you today. Maybe you're here today and you're sick in your body in some way. Remember the Bible says if you're sick, call the elders. Before you call the doctor, you call the elders. Well, the elders are here. It says they'll anoint you with oil. We'll anoint you with oil and pray. And the prayer of the righteous will make a sick person well. So if you need prayer in any way this morning, whether you're opening your heart for the first time to Jesus or need prayer, we'd love to do that right now. And you can come and join us up at the front. Father, thank you for your incredible goodness. Thank you that as we go, your gracious hand rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen.